Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. The BVU BeaverCast is proudly supported by alum and two-time All-American Monty Murs and High Country Search. Elevate your search at highcountrysearch.com. Welcome to the Lodge. It's time to settle in for the Buena Vista Wrestling BeaverCast. Join host Jason Bryant and head wrestling coach Jeff Brees as we talk all things BV wrestling. Now, on to the show. Episode 26 of the BV Wrestling Beavercast. Welcome to the Lodge today. The first national champion in the sport of wrestling from Buena Vista. David Jordan from 1989 was the national champion at 118 pounds. We're going to be talking to him today about his career, his Hall of Fame career, as we might add, as he is a member of the Buena Vista Athletics Hall of Fame. Mr. Jordan, welcome to the Lodge in the Beavercast. Hey, Jason. Great to be a part of it. Let's just get right to it in terms of how you ended up at Buena Vista. And there's, there's a story I understand on, uh, you were a sub 500 wrestler as a junior in high school. And then your senior year, you went to, you became a state champion. Explain, uh, I guess that metamorphosis in wrestling that probably gave you that opportunity to compete in college. Absolutely. Uh, as a junior, um, just the coach and, and I didn't quite see eye to eye. Um, did not have my heart into the into the sport whatsoever. And then there was a transition that summer in the coaching at the high school, at Cedar Falls High School. And the new coach, Dave Cunningham, uh, promoted freestyle wrestling heavily. So the summer between my junior year, which I think I, as a junior I was 12 and 13, and then as a senior, 40 and 3 state champ. Um, but the, between the junior year and senior year in, in high school, I think we put down probably 55, 60 matches that summer, uh, won the state title and freestyle 114 and a half and ended up one match shorter placing at what is now Fargo. But it, back then it was the, uh, it actually in Cedar Falls at the Uni Dome and then came out this, my senior year and, and uh, you know, made, got down to 105 and then, uh, had a pretty good run, got beat three times throughout the high school career, but uh, or throughout my senior year, but ended up revenging all three of those losses. Uh, one which was in the district finals, just a kid from Waverly, and uh, he pinned me in the finals of the district tournament, and then in the finals of the state tournament, beat him sixteen to three. So, wow, it's quite a turnaround. I guess that's a what a three four week span at that point. And you know what was what 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 causes something like that to happen from from your mentality it's like okay i got decked obviously there's probably the motivation but and then to beat somebody by 13 points a couple weeks later that's uh either rapid improvement or uh, something really really ticked you off uh actually neither um it was my head was up and i got caught in a headlock with with a very significant lead in district finals so 
I, you know what? I was setting it up for you, and uh, that's not what I – I didn't know that's what happened. But, uh, you know, I had a theory. It's like, what, did you get caught or something? Not to give your, your opponent any any uh, any disrespect there. But, uh, hey, you've, you've, you've explained the scenario. But uh, one thing is it's kind of you, – you talked about that story, and you're from uh, Cedar Falls, and you got to wrestle at the, the Junior Nationals in your hometown it's not you know people now they get this pilgrimage to Fargo which is it's a huge thing there's there's media coverage every single match is streamed on the internet but what was it like going from okay yeah it's it's right down the street i'm going to the national championships where is it up uh, the dome yeah no it was what the actually the cool part was is that back in the day that was the uh, summer camps were ran by Bob Dara and so we uh, the week before the the national tournament we went down to Iowa State and trained down there for a week as a team and then came back to Cedar Falls. So, it, I mean, from a mindset standpoint, it was it was still a big tournament. It really didn't, uh, at that point in time in your your life, it doesn't really matter what's over your head. It's just uh, what's on the mat in front of you. So we, you know, got down, went down to Iowa State, um, and, uh, you know, Derek did a fantastic job of getting us ready to go, go compete at the national level. So whether it was in Fargo or Cedar Falls, it was irrelevant at that point. When you win a state championship in Iowa, I, I am I have to assume since I one didn't wrestle in Iowa and two wasn't a state champion, uh, that when you win a state championship, the opportunities to wrestle in college, the recruitment starts to pick up. What was the uh, the recruiting landscape like for you uh, prior to winning a state championship, and then after you won the state championship? Prior to uh, non-existent. Uh, actually, my I grew up working on a family-owned business, a, a landscaping and a nursery business, and. Um, starting my senior year, I was wholeheartedly content on on going uh, to you know and potentially running that business, but uh, had given zero consideration to college at that point in time. Uh, so then March second, nineteen eighty five, we win state title, and, and uh, somebody called me up and says, "Hey, you know where where are you going to college?" And I, gosh, you know, had not even considered. Um, didn't I mean had not even taken an ACT? Not sure what that was, and uh, you know, so so the, the landscape just it, it pulled a 180 overnight. Do you remember the first call from Al Baxter or anybody at the BB staff? Uh, not the 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 story to it with BB was there is a, a kid from Cedar Falls that was working at a gas station at right out of high school. His name is Jeff Gard. He's working at a gas station and. Uh, didn't go to college and uh, was was tending gas. And back then, the the tendons actually went out and washed your windows and pumped your gas. And the BV bus or van stopped in there. Baxter jumps out. Jeff guards washing the windshield and starts talking to him. He's got a pretty good physique. Looked like he wrestled in high school. Next thing you know, Jeff guards going to BV. And uh, so Jeff is there. I win state title, and I, I actually think the first call that I got was from Jeff stating, "Hey, you should come up here and check this out. Yeah, he is having a blast up there." And from there, you know, as they say, the rest is history. It's weird because I think that's the second gas pumping story I've heard about recruiting a wrestler <laughs> in the last couple of weeks. And it's not I don't think that's even one that's tied to BV. So uh, when when you get to BV, because uh, this is one thing I had when Monty Mertz on the show not that long ago and talking about uh, how colorful and, and, and how. Uh, just engaging Coach Baxter was as a coach. So, uh, you know, explain those first couple weeks when you you get to Storm Lake. You're okay. Uh, one, you're going to college. Two, you're state champion. You're you're going to be on the wrestling team. And three, now you have this guy named Al Baxter coaching you. Yeah, there's uh, the first couple weeks there. Um, I'll I'll never forget. We didn't have a lot of interaction with with Baxter, but uh, 
the the group that that came in in my class who you know we were pretty dedicated group as was the class that was there in front of us and so the day the classes started wrestling unofficially started i mean we, you know we were in the room daily uh, and you know my first experience uh, walk in that room you know 115 116 pounds state champ and and not surrounded by a lot of state champs thought that that you know this was going to be a fairly easy task for me to, to for me to prove myself walk in the room and absolutely just got uh, my bell rung before I even made it to my first class and and had to go back to my dorm room and think about you know what what was I doing here and was I cut out for this sport at this level um and Baxter if you if you ever get him on the phone when my freshman year I think I was eighth string and Baxter will tell you if if there was nine I probably would have been ninth string um just absolutely we were just solid stacked and and on a daily basis just getting the, the my bell rung constantly so it was uh quite the learning experience yeah, you look through those 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 years, and uh, that was the heyday of BB wrestling. A lot of Iowa Conference champions, and what did that experience do for you in, in terms of understanding? Just because it was Division Three, um, that the level of college wrestling can be serious in in any wrestling room in the country. Yeah, it's that's very valid, and and you know my driving point or one of the one of the things that sealed the deal to, to uh, continue in the Iowa Conference or even Division Three was is that you know D3 champs at that time qualified for the national tournament the, the D1 national tournament so in the back of my mind going there that's you know that's why I'm there is is to get to that next level um, but to get in there it was just Yes, I, I'm just not quite sure how to explain it. It was just a, a just a, a grind, and we constantly were uh, just like I said, just getting your your bell rung every day. And, and you, we walk out of there, we, and we end up having to make a decision. And you know, a majority of the people that I was pretty tight with, you know, the, the Rick Caldwells of the world, and you know, the, the, the whole class that I came in with, we. I think we were all getting acclimated to to getting our our rears kicked and figured out that our time was coming. Um, but after about the first week of the official practice, I, I remember Rick and I were roommates for four years, and like, man, you know, we were sitting there looking at each other. Rick had a highly successful high school career, as did I, and we're like, man, you know, this is D three. I don't know what, what's what's below this. You know, where where can we probably go and, and get on the mat quicker? And, <laughs> um, so, you know, Rick and I obviously both stuck it out, and uh, you, you have a choice. You're, I guess, two choices. You either get better and get on the mat, or, or you, you find a contingency plan. And, and fortunately, Rick and I in, in that class with, with several All-Americans stuck together and, and pulled it through. What was the moment you, you felt like you first started seeing success in that room? My sophomore year, we had uh, the, the varsity 18 pounder at the time was came in as a JUCO. So, my sophomore year, he was uh, obviously the starter. Um, obviously, cutting he was cutting a lot of weight. But towards the middle of the season, the the gap between him and I. And of course, I was on full feed, having a blast. You know, not cutting very much weight. Um, you know, could walk away from the dinner table and max I weighed was 25, 30 and, you know, could make 18 in a heartbeat, but, 
probably right around the Christmas break time of my sophomore year, and and that gap was was tight. And you know, not that I was ever considering wrestling or or, or pushing the envelope to try to get into the lineup for, you know, as a sophomore with him as a senior. Um, however, you know, the 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 margin was was tight, and you know, probably potentially could have warranted a tryout um, had had that been necessary. But when you know, over the Christmas break, I think that that sophomore year, and you know, I don't, I think him and I actually qualified or wrestled uh, through an open tournament, and both were in the finals, and and I had forfeit to him. So uh, at that time, I figured when he was when he was done and his time was up at BV, I, I was more than more going to be more than ready and, and uh, able to take that spot over. Do you think that's something maybe with wrestlers nowadays that they're just unwilling to do is unwilling to sit for a year or two? Uh, or do you feel like there's kind of a, maybe an, an entitlement? I realize it's a rabbit hole here with wrestling, but you know, uh, you know, you you said you're willing to to you know buy your time. Okay, he's gone. I'm I'm the guy. Does that you think that mentality still exists, or is it is it is it going away with wrestling in high school and college? Man, that's a, a great question. You know, in, in my career now, I, I rifle through yes, tons of resumes in, in this generation of the millennials. Good God. I mean, they cannot keep a job for more than six months, 12 at, at the most. Um, so the, I guess to answer that question, I don't know if, if they have the patience, if that generation has the patience or the, or the desire to, to wait it out. I, I don't, from today's world and, and looking at resumes, I, they, it doesn't appear to me that they're, they have any loyalty or any, um, patience or dedication to to wait it out, and just just to be be clear, let's understand where you're coming from too on on the business world because you work you're working in mortgage lending, so you're dealing with high pressure situations. You're dealing with people people's money and people's homes. So uh, you, when you're looking to hire, you're, it's a little different than uh, oh well, it, it, the the scenario is different from recruiting a wrestler versus hiring somebody to, to work in lending. So uh, just kind of giving that, you know, where are the similarities? Where are the differences to kind of explain that uh, the, the, the loyalty angle that you're, you're talking about here. Being somewhere more than a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's funny. Cause I was looking at my own career and I'm like, okay, uh, I was in a newspaper for eight years and then there seemed to be like three year, three year, three year. And it's like, Oh man, am I falling into this trap? No, I just finally created my own business and said, forget working for other people. But, uh, as we're going back to circling this back around in wrestling, cause I don't know if we're, we're going to go into the millennium bashing too much here. Cause, uh, yep. <laughs> those are the ones listening to these shows these days, uh, cause their attention spans actually better with a podcast. But anyway, back to the, the wrestling sort of thing. When you first crack into that lineup, and this is, this is where, where the BV teams are, are becoming monsters. They're, nationally ranked highly a lot of Iowa conference champions and your first time through to the national championships in terms of uh, getting an all-american honor came in 1988 you finished in sixth place explain that trip to nationals and that was kind of a, a huge year with with bb really breaking through yeah um it, it was a big year the um just getting to that tournament you know it's I think by the time conference tournament rolled around, I, you know, I don't think at that point in time, you know, if you've been in the line of the full year, you're not a rookie anymore by the end of the season. And, um, but once we, once we got to the, the national tournament, you know, especially, I think we had at the conference tournament, I think we, we won the first five weight classes and, you know, it was 
expected, not, I mean, not guaranteed, but walking out of there as a conference champion, I mean, you were expected to get on the podium at the national tournament. So that's, I mean, it was not that, uh, you know, becoming an All-American and placing six as a junior, um, that, that, you know, as a conference champ, that is not a surprise. That's, that's the norm, probably the lower um, achievements of, of what is expected of a conference champ back in that day out of, out of the Iowa conference. And, you know, and we had a ton of qualifiers at, based on the, the place winners that came out of that conference. So once, you know, like I said, once getting through the conference tournament as, as a conference champ, it, you know, going into that conference tournament the first time was, you know, getting there the first time, as I explained, is you know you're you're expected to get onto the podium, and that's that's kind of was my goal. I, I just wanted to get on the stand, and and you know hindsight's always twenty twenty. But you go back in there, you know, could things have been different? Yeah, um, but fortunately for me, as a junior, I had another year to try to redeem myself and and um, you know reset the bar, set new goals, and and then go back year two to try to you know try to get those things accomplished. You had mentioned Rick Caldwell, who's also been on the show, and you said you, he, was, he was your roommate for four years. How does the dynamic of 118-pounder and 190-pounder kind of coexist to make each other better when it's not like you guys are regularly going to work out with one another on the mat? Well, I tell you what, we did, <laughs> um, especially in the summer times when, when there's nobody else around, Rick and I spent, uh, along with uh, one other gentleman, Chesmore, Kurt Chesmore, spent quite a bit of time in Storm Lake in the off-season, and uh, – you know, Chazzy and I were about the same weights, but Rick and 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 didn't always have somebody around, so we actually would spend a lot of the time drilling together. And and I know that um, he made me better. Whether I made him any better or not, that I don't know. But uh, I mean, him pushing and you know, once you get the the, the drilling techniques down, you can tell whether they're 120 pounds or 190 pounds. If you get them out of position, you know it. You feel it and. Um, you learn from that. So, no, Rick definitely pushed and, and made me better than, you know, size was one thing, but more of the, the things that you learn from just off the mat, I think, is what probably drove me the most with him. You know, what about what about off the mat in terms? I mean, every, everybody I've talked to on these shows that 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 wrestled with Rick at BB have have a have a Rick Caldwell story, and I'm I'm, I'm assuming you've got plenty. Uh, what's a good, uh, I guess, PG-rated Rick Caldwell story we can throw about about your time at, at BV that may may or may not have been about wrestling or just kind of you know kind of explains the type of team you guys had. I don't have any PV versions, so I'm going to uh, opt out of that one. <laughs> I'm sure I Rick. Will. I'm sure Rick's listening, going, "Whew, that was close." Yeah, no, we and not, you know what if, um, if he's already been on, maybe I could go ahead and, and throw him under the bus, since he, he might not get a second shot at getting on. Well, it's good. We'll put it this and, way: as uh, a host, it, it'll be a while. I mean, so if you know what, if there's a bus driving by and you need to throw Rick under it briefly, uh, you know, just how about maybe just just a little tease of something that uh, yeah. maybe he's like, "Uh oh, oh no, no, no." Okay, good. He didn't fully go into detail. Yeah, the the. I'm I'm going to steer clear of that one. I think right there kind of explains the type of team you guys had. There's still well, you know it was twenty it was some years intense. later. It's, yeah, intense, and it's uh, and I don't know what the mentality is, you know, in these rooms now. Um, but you know, Rick and I and the people that hung around us, Monty's, Mertz's, you know, the Shane Mertz's, those those guys got it. And and you know, at the time, Rick and I 
when, when that younger generation was coming in, you know, assumed or fell into the leadership role. But it, it was D3, yes, but, but it was priority number one. And, uh, you know, it, for for us and, and the people that hung around, Rick and I, it, it was a year-round sport, period, even though it was D3. We were 24-7, and, and um, you know, I'll never forget coming back from uh, the, the national tournament my junior year in Wheaton College, Illinois. We're riding back, and, and Baxter comes over to me and says, hey, he, you know, I just got done placing six. He's like, hey, what's what's the goal for next year? You know, and I'm like, we're we're coming back, and we're winning this thing. And uh, Baxter's like, great, you know, like that's what he expected to hear. So that's the easy thing. He goes, now, now, how are we going to do that? What What's going to happen between now and then? And uh, much like you trying to come up or me kind of trying to come up with a story on the spot, I'm like, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. So he walks, you know, he about 10 minutes later, I'm like, Basher, I got the solution. Like, it was March 5th, 1988. I said, national tournaments, March 2nd, 1989. Between now and then, I'm going to work out every day. I will not miss one day. And, you know, that doesn't mean that every day I'm wrestling, but every day I spent minimum one hour biking, running, lifting, wrestling, combination. I, I spent one hour thinking about what it's going to feel like staying on the uh, top of that podium. So, uh, and, you know, that that's the that's the life Rick and I live. We had lofty goals, and we pushed pushed our thinking onto people whether they wanted them or not. And if they if they wanted them, they hung around. If they didn't, they didn't. And quite frankly, uh, you know, the the people that hung around us were, were motivated. And, and and if you if you weren't motivated, then you know, well, really didn't have a lot of time for you. And when we look at the the championship on what you guys were talking about being at the top of the podium at that point, nobody in BV history had done it. Uh, Dan Dresser had made the finals in 1986, and, and then you had you know a, a, another finalist in '88, but. The fact that there'd never been an individual national champion at BV to that point, how much did that drive you guys in the room to be to be the first one? Well, Rick and I both had that the, the same goal, and and you know they they started at the lightweights and worked up. So um, if <laughs> you know, I, I was going to wrestle first, and unfortunately that year Rick got, uh, didn't didn't get there. But um, that that really wasn't the motivator. I mean, the first didn't that that to me was not a piece of it at all. Um, it was just the the people around me and me pushing them and 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 them pushing me. It is we just wanted somebody in our area to get there and get it done so that you know we could um, hopefully as a team win a national team title. What do you remember the most about that 1989 tournament? Uh, other than, you know, oh, the, the whole point where you got your hand raised at the end and you got your medal at the top of the podium. But going into that tournament at John Carroll, was there something different uh, from you? I mean, were you expecting to go in and win this thing? And, and you know, explain how your performance went through and, and ultimately you, you got that national championship. Yeah, well, I, I my expectations obviously were to win it. I was seated third. Um Got through. I think the first round was a kid from Wartburg from the Iowa Conference, and then in the semifinals, who was actually wrestling the kid that was seated number one, um, and uh, you know was able to, to take care of him quite easily. And then the guy in the finals uh, was his name was Joe Dasty. He's from Keene College, and and uh, I'd wrestled him the year before, and he beat me the year before for fifth and sixth. 
and it, for fifth and sixth in 1988, it was a really, really tight match, and, and he took me down with like three seconds left on the edge of the mat, and um, you know, just snuck out the win. And then my senior year in the in the finals, um, went out, took him down a couple times in, early, and, and then right towards the end of the of the regulation, you know, he he snuck out another another takedown to push it into overtime, and then in overtime, I'm like this, you know, 1988 didn't get a long break but it, but 1988 just was was playing between the time of regulation and overtime of gosh I'm not gonna let this guy sneak out another one on me and and so put it put it to him in overtime so got the first takedown then wrote him out so it was you know that's that's all that we needed to do um but it was it oddly enough even you know 25 years later whatever it is it's just I can remember getting that feeling between the the regulation in the overtime that I am not, you know, 1988 was just still grinding, still stuck in me, still, you know, still eating at me for letting, giving up that takedown and, and, uh, this in that 15, 20 second period that I had to think about what, what's going to happen in the next 30 seconds. I like this, this guy, I'm not letting him going to um, squeak out another one at the end of the, at the end of the buzzer. You ever so. given any thought, on how what, what you're thinking might have been had it not been somebody that had beaten you the year before because the way you're explaining the match is you're, you're really drawing off the previous year experience and it, you know if, if there's somebody you're not wrestling you've not wrestled before in the finals you don't get to draw from that so you know wrestling this guy in the past obviously had a benefit uh for you winning that national championship but have you ever thought about what, what things might have been if, if it wasn't the guy who you'd wrestled the year before no i, I to, no i haven't um <laughs> Is at that point in time, it you know you're just focused and you're you, whoever was was standing across me. I think was I, I at least at that tournament there there I wasn't going to lose. So now the year following is it was it was a monster team also for BV and then you know there's a number of top ten finishes. You go down as the the first national champion in school history and and part of that group that that group that stays tight. How tight? Uh, did you guys stay, and how often do you speak from 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 your teammates and and roommates from that era? <laughs> That's a funny story. So driving as a senior in high school, um, my mom and dad are taking me across the state of Iowa on Highway Three, to drop me off at BB, and and my mom looks back, and, and you know we're riding in a Jordan's nursery van, and got my life belongings in in a suitcase and one paper box, and uh, she goes, just remember. Your your best friends are always going to be your best friends or your friends from high school. And I'm like, well, all right, you know. And uh, today, the, the the people that I communicate with, the people that I do business with, the, the people that that I correspond with on uh, electronically on the cell phone, you know, whatever it is, it is all college teammates. Period. Tim Book. Um, another really, really close friend that, that did not wrestle but played football is Jared Goetzer. Um, obviously, Rick was down in December. You know, his son's Cody's coaching at Grandview, so I still keep in contact with Rick. Monty Mertz and I obviously have some some very, very close ties. So it's uh, could it be closer? Yes, but I can certainly tell you I'm a lot closer with college friends than I am high school friends. Yeah, I got my 20-year high school reunion coming up here in July, and I'm sitting here thinking about how many people from my senior class that uh, outside of, you know, the random high on Facebook that you actually talk to. And I'm like, well, it's probably like three, 
three that I regularly actually out of a class of 181, it's it's that. And then I think about all the people that I, you know, I talk to from, you know, my 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 long tenured old dominion. And it's like, yep, I'm talking to those guys like once a week, at least some in some way, shape or form, whether it be uh, just seeing how they're doing coaching, because uh, that's what happens when when former wrestlers get into the real world, they end up coaching somewhere. So uh, if you're still around wrestling, you can't really, you know, turn left without seeing somebody at least I went to college with when I'm back home in Virginia. But as we move into the career that you have now, uh, talk a little bit about uh, what you did following your your career at BV and then moving into the business world. What made you uh, get to the route where you're at right now working with uh, Community Choice Credit Union and Clive? Right out of college, my first job was uh, with retail um, Menards. did that for five years and figured I took me five years to figure out I don't want to work weekends the rest of my life. And started in the the finance industry and and throughout the finance industry I was actually with what is a, an affiliate of Wells Fargo that is now gone was called Norwest and Norwest moved me around went from Iowa to Wyoming to Minneapolis and then back to Des Moines so I got to experience some different parts of the country and uh once back in Des Moines different climates as well yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But the cool thing is, in this uh, another former Beaver, uh, Larry Goodell was working at Wells Fargo at the time within the mortgage division. I was in the finance side and um, met up with Larry for lunch one day. Next thing you know, I'm working with Larry in the mortgage business at Wells Fargo and um, had a really good long run with Larry. And uh, that ultimately led to uh, you know running into a, a management position here within Community Choice Credit Union. So I've been here since April of 2014, running running the, the mortgage department for for our credit union. And when you explain going into your senior, you're like, well, I figure I'm just gonna you know work the family business and landscaping, and now you're working as a VP at a bank for for mortgage lending. You you look at it and go, well, glad I went to college. Absolutely, I, I um, for for more than just that. Um, I met my wife uh, at BV. <laughs> um, as we already hit on uh, the the friendships that were formed at Buena Vista, you know, whether it's, it's wrestlers or 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 just other people that were at Buena Vista, it, I mean, it's life changing. So, um, and then obviously not digging holes and plant trees every day is is kind of an ancillary benefit as well. So, <laughs> yeah. saves, saves on the back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what, what what you might lose in actually having to buy a tie and some suits, uh, you, you gain and oh yeah, you're back. Yeah, and then you know the suit and the tie, then that translates to uh, waistline. So that's the next thing on my list here that I need to get working at. I think we all need to do that. Uh, I'm not going to yeah. tell you what uh, my yeah. Um, who knows how how much higher we all are than our than our wrestling weight class? But um, <laughs> that's right. we, we we move into the things and. One part of this show is we talk about what BV did for you, not just athletically, but academically. And when you got to Storm Lake, did you know what your area of focus was going to be like academically? Or, or was it something that kind of evolved and you realized, OK, uh, this this is where I want to spend my time, uh, you know, spending, you know, earning my degree? I had no idea. I, I mean, when I got there, I was like, um, I remember I was wrestling as a senior, I was wrestling as a in an Iowa all-star meet and the guy next to me was uh, Gary McCall, who was two-time state champion out of Cedar Rapids, ended up wrestling at Iowa State. And I was 
shooting the pool with him, and and he he says, so where are you going to college? And I'm like, Buena Vista. And uh, I'd known that he'd already committed to Iowa State. He is a very very good recruit and big recruit. And he goes, what are you majoring in at, at, at Buena Vista? I'm like, gosh, no idea. I'm, what are you majoring in at uh, Iowa State? And he said business management. So I go to BV and say, I'm going to enroll in business management courses, <laughs> not knowing what that meant. So, And that's ultimately the route you took. Yeah, I did. I, I, kinda, <laughs> uh, I, I did follow the business management portion and then it took a kind of got into the, the finance side of things as well. So I kind of, I ended up with an emphasis in finance. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, uh, crazy world now when you look at what it did for you academically i mean what class sizes professors things like that that's one thing that division three really touts is it gives you a, a real uh, a smaller college experience but one that they feel is worthwhile you don't have the you know you don't have the hustle and bustle of an iowa city or or an ames with how big and and, and sprawling those campuses are what was it like to you know, ultimately in hindsight look back and be like yes i made the right decision by going to bb well, I'm probably the wrong person to be asking the, the academics because, quite honestly, I, I was there to wrestle. Um, <laughs> it, and, you know, that's sad to say, and, you know, it's D3, and I, I know that there's no end to it. But I would, I mean, I, w- I was there to wrestle, and, and I did the academics to stay eligible. And, you know, it, it, that's, I don't know any way to say it any more clear. Um, obviously, I did get the degree, and I did move on, and, and, but I didn't, you know, that just getting through the classes. I mean, Monty Mertz and I were sitting in one class at my senior year, and I think it was a, a marketing class. I, I, and uh, we had our J term, which ended, and then is um, about middle of February. We we're, were going through this marketing class, and, and Monty looks over at my notebook, and, and all it was was a, a drawing of the podium at the national tournament with, with <laughs> my stick figure on the top at number one and, and the, the professor's handing out a test and I didn't own the text. And, you know, Mike's like, Davey, he, you gotta, gotta get the text and get this stuff figured out. And I'm like, we'll, we'll take care of that after March 2nd. And, <laughs> you know, that's um, God honest truth. And, and, you know, got the text after the, after the national title and after spring break and, and, uh, you know, obviously, I ended up graduating, but that—that's uh—that was the mentality, that the game that I was playing, and, and that's um, right or wrong. That—that's—that's that's how I got through BB. So, well, I was waiting to see where the payoff was because I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh boy, oh boy, I'm cringing, and I'm like, oh wait, okay, there's the payoff, the podium. Okay, so you've got you've got a goal in mind, and then now you can look back as your real world experience and be like, man. I don't know how I did it, but look at me now. I've applied those things that I've learned in college, and now I'm a successful businessman. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> successful is still to be determined. I'm very happy. I'm very blessed uh, to be doing what I'm doing, surrounded by the people that I've surrounded myself with, um, wonderful family. Uh, yeah, but the one thing that I'll hit on is um, in, the, in the business world, and the other day, you know, I have a, a team here that, that works for me, and mortgages, as you explained, is, is typically the, the biggest financial decision that a lot of people make in their lifetime, and, and the people that work for me, were, I felt, were losing focus of that and needed a, not a kick in the pants, but more of a pat on the back and, and the rah-rah type, you know, 
conversation, and I called upon uh, Mark Schwab, who is the former BV coach after Baxter, to come down and speak to our group, who is now doing profes- uh, professional speaking. And, and so, so I had Mark come down and deliver a message to to my mortgage team. And man, I tell you what, if, if you guys, you know, either in the business world or or in the academic world or in the athletic world, you need somebody to come speak to you to get you fired up about what you do and, and the importance of, of life and and what goes on between your ears. Mark is the man. I mean, the, the people that were that worked for me um, shortly after Mark left, I mean, were, were telling me how they were going to make changes in their life based off of a one-hour message that Mark delivered. So unbelievable stuff. Now we look at what uh, Jeff Brees is doing with the program. Now he's doing his, he's getting, getting the, uh, the professors involved. He's ca- trying to create a buzz. And, and right now the team performance, he's still trying to work that up. But when you look at, uh, you know, there's, there's been a series you talked about Mark there. And then now where, where coach Brees is getting the program, trying to really push the social media aspect, get people involved, get people to Stevens Fieldhouse to check out the program. I believe the adage is you've got to crawl before you can walk. And, uh, you know, what do you think about the, the job Jeff is doing right now and trying to really re- revive and rebuild the program? I think he's putting forth a tremendous effort. Um, I've spoken with him a few times. I mean, obviously there's, there's no short of passion there and desire to be successful. Uh, so in the, in the analogy of, of, you know, crawl before you run is, is, Absolutely true. But in order to crawl, you got to, you know, especially in this world, you you got to have the right bodies there to crawl with and, and to teach them to 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 run as well. So hopefully, you know, all and as we discussed, you know, how to attract and market to these these younger generation. That's a whole another job in itself. But as he develops and you know gets his gets all the resources and all the assets that he has is disposal involved in, in helping land and, and get some of these, you know, quality student athletes on campus is, is um, you know, no secret to sex. Success is ultimately what it's going to take. And I, I think he's taking the right approach to get those, those student athletes in there. So hopefully he has success. I mean, I wish the guy the, uh, the success and I would love to see BV back at, you know, contending for, for titles like they were in the eighties. Um, that, that would, that was in nineties. That that would be fantastic, and I, I do believe Jeff is the right guy for the job. Now, one thing you, you talked about that we didn't get to, and I'm going to swing back around, and I want to. I just want to talk about your experiences at the Division One Championships in, in 1989, and, and this is an era where, uh, you know, if, if you lost early, you weren't getting pulled back through, and. In your case, you actually had to wrestle a guy in the first round who, from from the University of Iowa, he's now coaching at my alma mater, Old Dominion, Steve Martin. And so here you are, an Iowa guy. You get the opportunity to wrestle at the Division One National Championships, and you've got to wrestle a Hawkeye in the first round. Let's 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 just talk about that experience just for a little bit. Well, the, the Hawkeye didn't uh, that you know in in my mind, I, I I felt that I belonged there. I um I, I was. I wasn't looking past Steve Martin, but I, I was certainly not thinking that I would get beat by Steve Martin. Um, the, the thing that, that were, if I was starstruck, was when Gable was in the corner, and you know you're standing in the middle of the mat, you're shaking Steve Martin's hand, you look over and you got, you know, Dan Gable staring you down. That that's where that's that was what was intimidating to me. Um, so, you know. 
if I could do it all over again, I, you know, I'd put blinders on and shake the guy's hand and not look off to the side. But don't look at I'm, Gable. Don't look at Gable. Don't look at Gable. It, Concentrate on the Grammy guy. Yep. Watch out for the Grammy. Don't don't put your arm around his waist. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is that ultimately what happened? Yes. <laughs> I mean, because again, I don't, I haven't talked to Coach Martin about this, and him and I have a pretty good relationship. So, uh, but I, I, you know, it's hard to bring up a loss the same year. You're talking about you being the first national champion in school history, but when going into Oklahoma, what's what's it like to to prepare for that type of thing, knowing that it's only you and a handful of guys that get had that opportunity each year to be like, okay, this is uh, this is what everybody's paying attention to, and uh, here's me from little old BV. Uh, you know, out there in the same bracket with guys from Oklahoma State and Iowa and and in Chattanooga, Lock Haven, and you know, Northern Iowa. Mark Schwab was in that bracket. Yep. Well, the, the odd thing is, is is after winning Division Three, um, they're doing some some drug testing after the, after the the fact, and and so I was stuck in a room, uh, choking down liquids, trying to uh, relieve myself or make myself so that I could go to the the bathroom and of course being dehydrated and you know the cutting and all that I, I mean it it took me till the 190 pound mash but so I'm sitting back there um, being monitored being policed chugging down um, apple juice like is good for you and then uh, the whole time that I was there after the 150 pound match uh, the guy from Trent State Carl Monaco came back and he had to go through the same drill so I'm sitting there um, BSing with 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 Carl and 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 his mentality, you know, he was not excited. I was thrilled. He's like, dude. He goes, this is just another qualifying tournament. And I'm like, you know, sat back. I'm like, gosh, you know, I'm still excited, but I'm like, oh gosh, you know, the the season's not over. So you know, this guy's looking at it obviously from a different perspective. And um, but he, you know. He, I had about four more matches sit there and, and think about what he had just told me. And, and, uh, so walking down into Oklahoma city, you know, it was obviously, um, felt, you know, personally, I, I felt like they, I belonged there. It, I was, it was not an anomaly. It, you know, this was 20 years of me tying my shoes, just like everybody else in the same bracket. There's, there's, um, other than the, you know, me wearing a beaver and them wearing a hawk or whatever the emblem was. That, in in my mind, that was really the only difference that separated us. So, um, was it a great experience? So, absolutely. Um, did the outcome work the way I wanted it? Absolutely not. But you know, live and learn, man. One thing that uh, just just for some context, people, uh, you're talking about Carl Monaco. Uh, he was the number two seed that year and ended up wrestling Tim Krieger in the finals. Krieger won that match, but this was the number two seed coming qualifying through Division Three from then Montclair State. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That guy had not, definitely not, had an interesting did, mindset. Not only did he take Krieger to the wire, but Krieger was the OW of the whole tournament as well. So another little tidbit for you. Yeah, so, so another D3 qualifying tournament. Took, <laughs> yeah, D3 guy took the uh, outstanding wrestler of the Division One National Tournament to a 2-1. I mean, it's a one-point match. It, it was a nail-biter. So. Yeah, as I'm looking through that bracket. You, Greg Warren, the stand-up comic, he he was in that bracket with 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 uh, Monaco that year. But '89 uh, was an interesting year in Oklahoma City. But uh, uh, Mr. Jordan, if anybody's out there that uh, needs to uh, do some some, I guess some mortgage lending and things of that nature, how can they get a hold of you? And uh, you know, how how often do you think uh, people will see you at side or, or at tournaments, checking out the Beavers or uh, high school wrestling in the state of Iowa? I've uh, frequent myself to a lot of the Indianola uh, wrestling meets 
uh, that's where my wife and I and my two daughters live is down in Indianola. So I try to help out a little bit there on a part-time basis, volunteer basis, when time permits. Um, so, you know, I still actually just last week went over to the Iowa City Penn State meet. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still in it, still love it. Uh, still go to the state tournament every year. Obviously, that's right down the road, and, and we have Skybox, so I don't miss a miss a match there. So I'm 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 out and about and, and try to be as active as I can in the community and give back. You know, the, the, this sport has given so much to me that you don't feel obligated, but you certainly want to give back uh, as much as you can. And, and right now, with the age of my daughters, it's you know it's kind of a balancing act. It's pretty selfish to go work out with with high school kids when you're missing you know your junior high kids volleyball games. So. Right now I'm at, a, at the transition where I need to focus on the family and then, you know, hopefully, you know, as they grow and potentially move on and get back more into the sport. And so, but as far as getting a hold of me, uh, you know, I'm I'm restricted to doing mortgages to the state of Iowa. So if anybody's in the state of Iowa, just um, they can get a hold of me at uh, DaveJordan3360 at gmail.com. All right, Mr. Jordan, been an educational and insightful uh, look back at your experiences and uh, appreciate you coming on the show and talking about your, your time at BV. All right. Thanks, Jason. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.